listening to First Church Charlotte. Let's get into the word of the Lord. As you guys know, I, I, I wear your ears off saying it. I love teaching the word of the Lord. I love studying the word of the Lord. Uh, it, is, it is the honor of my life to be able to open the word of the Lord with anybody, particularly all of you, and look into the scripture together and try to grow from it and try to understand what's going on. We are continuing in the book of Mark and we are in this passage in Mark chapter number 10. You don't have to, let's tell you what, let's not necessarily stand and read it together because we're going to work our way through the passage. But I want you to be aware that we are in Mark chapter number 10 and we're going to be looking from verse number 46 down to verse number 52. And like like all of these passages of Scripture, there is just tremendous depth. And if the Lord will help me, I want to convey the depth of it because the beauty of the Scripture is not simply in the thou shalts and the sh thou shalt nots. Um, that's the letter of the law. The beauty of the Scripture is the spirit that is in the Scripture. It's the spirit that gives life. How many of you know that's the word of the Lord? The spirit that is in the Scripture shows us, and now, now not to be confusing, there's I'm not in any way minimizing the Ten Commandments in the thou shalts and thou shalt nots. But there is a, there's a story beneath the story. There's a richness and a dip, depth to this. So we are talking about blind Bartimaeus. And for a title, I simply will call this Bible study Son of David. Son of David. All right, you going to help me? Help me a little bit, and I will be brisk and hopefully speak with clarity and do honor to the word, the word of the Lord. So you will remember in the passage that we are now seeing Jesus having committed to the road to Jerusalem when he quit talking about Jerusalem and actually started walking toward Jerusalem. You will remember that his disciples were in great wonder. Uh, they thought perhaps he was just preaching. <laughs> just, you know how we do. We get excited, excited and we talk tough and we proclaim and we et cetera, et cetera. Maybe, maybe he was just being rhetorical, but no, look at him. He has set his face with a spiritual uh, resoluteness, a resolution, uh, uh, as it were, a flint. He, he steals himself for this walk to Jerusalem, and undoubtedly his heart is filled with, with a sense of a fear in his flesh. Um, he is going to be terribly beaten and marred, and he's going to be crucified, and no one can look forward to a death like that, right? No one wants to suffer, and yet this is the path. He's going to uh, make a final prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. We'll get to that in the story, and he's basically going to say, Lord, if there's any other way, uh, let's do that, but if there's no other way, nevertheless, not my will but thy will be done. That is the toughest prayer that any of us pray because that is the moment of surrender when the kingdom of heaven is not about what I want it to be, but what it's actually founded upon. What are the big themes? What are the, the, the major, majority purposes of the work of God? And if at this moment where, like Jesus Christ, at the very door of our 
of our suffering, the door of our passion. If we flinch there, if we stop there, we will never discover the joy that is laid up for us. He endured the cross, despising the shame, but he did not stay in that place of suffering. He had a joy ahead of him. Um, I, I've preached this before. I was thinking about it today. Uh, I'm going to preach it again at some point because if you preach long enough, you make full circle. And uh, the idea is uh, Paul, when he said that uh, uh, there was an open door, but there were many adversaries. And I, the, the idea, the message is that the adversaries are always at the door to the breakthrough. So wherever your revival is, wherever the door of breakthrough is, the enemy will not allow that to go uncontested. If you get a new effort, a new uh, outreach, uh, anything that is having success, and there is a door open to you, that is where the enemy will ambush you. And so Jesus at the door of his sacrificial purpose is beset with the fear and so come the torches and so come the, 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 the Judas bearing a betrayal kiss and so come the, the, the guards from the temple complex and, and so they take Jesus away. All of that is being compressed into this moment and yet on the way to Jerusalem there is one miracle more one miracle more and that is the story of blind blind Bartimaeus we celebrate the story it is perhaps the most famous physical healing that Jesus performed on anyone and it is more than just a uh, more than just a story of healing, you will know by now that scripturally uh, it is not a super <laughs> amazing thing to see Jesus open the blind eyes. This would be the third time in the scripture he has publicly opened the blinded eyes. That is recorded as an individual event. There is many more where, particularly in the first year of his ministry, where they brought all to him who were sick. All and the Bible says he healed them all. I, I love services like that, don't you? I'd like to see that happen in my life. I'd like to see it happen in your life. I'd like to see it happen in East Charlotte. We had a service and God healed them all. And while you're healing things, heal our city, oh God. Heal the strife and the hatred of this generation. Heal the, 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 the nihilism that's driving people to destroy their life through opioid addiction. Honey, we ain't in the 50s anymore. We, <laughs> four years ago, if I remember uh, these numbers off the top of my head, but uh, uh, four years ago, approximately 20,000 Americans, maybe it's three years ago, oh, died from overdose. This year, it's going to be close to 70 at the current. That's just in the last two to three years. It is so bad in rural America that for the first time, life expectancy of the uh, 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 of rural Americans is going down for the first time since the turn of the century. I mean the 1900s. That's how many people are dying. We cannot play church. We cannot be self-centered. We have to pour our hearts out. We have to cast our bread on the water. We have to get involved. And 
And so the Lord help us to be healed from this Nile, this meaninglessness in our culture that make angry children steal their parents' guns and go into a school and kill people just because they don't have anything else that means anything. And the only way their pain is validated is to spread it to as many people as possible. And the 22, I don't mean to just be negative here, but I want you to see the church needs to get busy. And do everything we can do. And so, uh, if I preach this story, if I preach this story of blind Bartimaeus in the classic picture of healing, and I've preached it many times, I'll do it many more because it is such a story of faith. I'm going to give you the short notes, so um, if you're working on any sermons uh, for later presentation to anyone, you'd like to jot these notes down. This is a great faith message on blind Bartimaeus. I'm going to give you the, in a nutshell, you take it home, and if your people, if you're, if you're, if you, you take it home, and uh, you know, Martha, you give it to Andrea when you get home. You said, I gave you this message for her, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you very much. So the first thing is blind Bartimaeus sees who Jesus is. He's not a faith healer. He is son of David. Son of David is a messianic statement. He's not simply saying you're a rabbi, you're a teacher, not even saying Rabboni, uh, which is the highest form. Ra is the lowest honorific. That is a, a term of, of honor given to someone. That's Rab. Rabbi is the middle and the highest honorific you can give to a teacher is uh, when you call them the uh, Rabboni. Uh, that is the highest honor if he can give. But he does more than that. He says, thou son of David. A lot of scholars and commentators say that's why the crowd told him to hush. No one cared that he was a beggar. They weren't in the city. They were between uh, the new Jericho and the old Jericho that was destroyed when they took the land. They're between the old and the new. Somebody say between the old and the new. At their old Jerusalem, excuse me, old Jericho is before them and new Jericho is behind them, depending on how they are turning because they're both close there together. Or the old Jericho is behind them and the new Jericho is ahead of them. However it is in their mode of travel, there are two Jerichos in between them on the highway, very busy. Many, many people are going to Jerusalem. Why are they going to Jerusalem? Feast of the Passover. And so they practice the ascent of praise, the ascent of worship as they walk from Jericho, the most famous entrance, the most famous path. They're going to practice this from Jericho all the way into Jerusalem. And they're going to have an ascent of worship. Oh, I wish we came to church like this. They get one of the Psalms that is written for the ascent. And they walk a few steps and then they sing together. And then they walk a few steps and they sing together all the way to Jerusalem. Now, on the way, beggars line the roads to ask for help. And you know what they do? They cry. They cry for alms. Uh, commentators say the crowd uh, probably wasn't offended that he was asking for alms. They probably was offended that he was saying, Jesus, thou son of David. That is messianic. They're not just saying, oh, faith healer, have mercy on me. They're saying, thou son of David, you, you are the Messiah. You are the hope of Israel. You are the promise of God made unto the fathers. You are the one who makes all things new. You're not just another uh, founder of a religious order. You are the son of God. 
So he knows who God is. That's the first point, okay? When you know who God is, the response in your life is faith. Faith begins to grow within you. Faith begins to work within you. It begins to lead you to expect great things. Number two, here's the second point for uh, the faith message. Bartimaeus overcomes hindrances. People are trying to hush him up. People are trying to tell him to be quiet. People are always going to try to keep you from what God has for you. Can I have a big apostolic amen? People are always going, and it's not just people, it's circumstances in your life. It's the employer who always finds a way to humiliate you. It's the co-worker who always makes the joke at your expense. It's the brother who you thought was on your side and you found out they talked really bad about behind your back. And the truth is, if you knew their heart, they probably didn't even mean it. They were probably just talking. That's human nature. But when you found out, it broke your heart. And you come in the house of the Lord and you're like, oh, there's these hindrances. Let me tell you what Bartimaeus did. He knew who God was and he refused to let anything stop him from what he needed in God. He pressed on, he ignored the critic, and he pressed on. That is a path to faith. The third thing that happens because of his faith, he receives a miracle and he receives a transformation. When he asks for that healing, the Lord responds to that request by saying, bring him to me. Blind Barnabas stands up and does a great act of faith. He leaves his cloak. Now, I've heard, I preached several times and uh, various ministers preached that the cloak was an identifier of the, of, of the beg, uh, of having the status of a beggar. And um, I got so excited about that, I preached a couple times on the evangelistic field and then I uh, unfortunately got to study it and found out there's really no anything about that. Um, uh, and I was preaching too, man. I was tearing it up, man. I had heard this guy preach, y'all forgive me, this is just full disclosure. I'd heard this guy preach talking about how um, you, the temple would issue coats that gave them permission to beg and if you didn't have that coat then you couldn't beg in Israel and I was preaching it lay down what someone else said you couldn't do and the church is going my God and I was saying I don't care who said you're limited you lay it down and the church is going my God that's the best thing I've ever heard and I went back to my office in the back of my little trailer to open the word of God and I got out all my history books and there's nothing about it in the Bible I hate when the Bible ruins a good message. That's funny. <laughs> Young preachers, you learn about that kind of stuff. <laughs> Be careful what you just steal from somebody and take off on. Not everything's in the Word of God just because it was a good message. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Y'all forgive me for being honest like that. Um, I'll try to tell you a lie next time. <laughs> so he receives this miracle. It's like, boom, he, 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 he leaves that cloak. Here's the thing. What we do know about the cloak is that even if a beggar pawned his cloak for a loan, when the sunset came, according to the book of Exodus, if you want to be biblical, according to the book of Exodus, the pawn shop couldn't keep it. They had to give it back to him because the law said, what's the beggar going to stay warm with? You can't take his cloak. The result of that is you couldn't get a dime for your cloak <laughs> in Jerusalem. Um, so anyway, moving along. And so uh, here you have this man. He knows who God is. He cries out in faith and hope. He overcomes resistances. Uh, he expects 
a transformation. He leaves everything he has. That's the cloak. He leaves everything he has to come to Jesus. And fourthly, he asks for the right thing. He does not ask amiss. He doesn't say like the sons of Zebedee, I want to have a right-hand position with you in the future kingdom of heaven incorporated. He simply says, would you make me whole? Would you give me my sight? And the Lord gives him his answer and he is healed. And the Bible says he follows them all the way into Jerusalem, praising God. You know what's awesome about that? When those people were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There was at least one of them who wasn't just following the crowd. There was at least one of them who had a testimony and this was a testimony. I once was blind. Man, I love the Word of God. I once was blind, but now I see. So I'm crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. I'm not just caught up with the crowd. I'm not just excited with everybody shouting. I'm here with a testimony. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus entered in, and then a little light of heaven filled my soul. Okay, so that's the faith message. It's awesome. I'm going to preach it. As long as I'm preaching, maybe someday I'll, you know, won't be able to preach. But until then, I'm going to preach the faith message. And I, I, I think Bartimaeus does as good a job as anyone preaching, uh, using as a context, preaching the faith message. However, there's a depth in this passage that the Bible student finds when they, when they read it carefully in the sense of, of, of reflection. And they read it in the sense of a uh, uh, a larger story. See, the Bible is, is when we simply read the Bible in detail, we sometimes, if that's our only focus, we, we see the tree and miss the forest. Now, the flip side of that would be, if you only see the big theme, you see a forest, but you miss the tree. So there is this appropriate balance that we must have in regard to our study of the scripture. And I, I seek to have that. I know you do too. And so here you have a, a story of a man who is more than just a man, the, the Christ, the son of the living God. He has just raised Lazarus from the dead. And there's recording on all the passage uh, and, and so many of the, uh, the passages give us different little uh, pictures of that. He, Lazarus is raised from the dead and it's all so that they might see that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It breaks Jesus' heart. We talked about this last week and he weeps because they do not, those people who should see that he's not just another faith healer, but he is God and he can do anything, anything, anything but fail. Can I have an amen? And so when the, he, he, when they cannot believe, all they can see is don't, don't, don't disturb the neighbors because the body smells or don't break the Jewish law because the temple will get us. He, he, it breaks his heart and he weeps because he wants them to see he is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what he wants and he, he doesn't get them. Even so, he he says, Lazarus, we did it Sunday, come forth. Yeah. And um, here we are in the scripture. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm getting my Sunday mix message and my Wednesday night Bible study confused because I've been thinking about both of them nonstop. So here we are. They're on the way to Jerusalem. And it's all of this is happening very close together. And it's on the way to Jerusalem that this individual 
blind Bartimaeus recognizes Christ as the Messiah. Now, what's interesting here is that there's a story beneath the story. And to understand it, I have to give you a little bit of mystery. Uh, not a lot. We've got to be careful of a lot of mystery, but just a little bit of mystery. Um, Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. Okay? Um, and the way it's written, all Hebrew scholars, uh, actually the Aramaic is what it's written in, they, they all note this and they point this out. The oddity of saying this is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. It's repeated twice in the scripture. It's as though I introduced, uh, who, can I, who, who, who can I introduce here today? I got to get somebody I can introduce. Uh, hmm. Tell you what, I'll pick on myself because I'm not sure I know all of your dad's names. So you introduce me as Bar David, son of David. If you introduce me as Bar David, there's no need. Bar means son of. David's the name of my father. Bar David, son of David. So imagine you walk up somewhere, say, hey, this is Bar David, son of David. I just repeated myself. Well, this is what's entering. Timaeus is not an Aramaic or Hebrew word. Timaeus is a Greek word. Bar is an Aramaic word. Okay, I'm, I, know, I'm, I know I'm making some of you think here for a moment, but just, just work with me. What he is saying is this man is son of honor, bar Timaeus, son of honor. It is as though that might be his literal name, but in the Hebrew by, or in the Aramaic speech in term of the time, to say it like that, repeat, is to refer to this individual as a type or an ideal. This is not my, this is not my idea. Read, do, do some Bible study and look up Bartimaeus son of Timaeus, and you will see a ton of scholarly works on this. It is as though, watch this, Bartimaeus represents the blindness of the house of Israel that cannot see that Christ is their Messiah. And they are blind, and if they could only see that Christ is the Messiah, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. If they could only see that Jesus is the Messiah, their blindness would be lifted and they could see. Good stuff. This moment is not simply about an individual needing their eyes to be opened. There is a story under of a whole people who cannot see that Jesus is the Son of God. They cannot see. Now, this is the second uh, most fascinating and, dare I say, terrifying mystery in the Bible, why the house of Israel rejected Jesus. The greatest mystery in the Bible, this is, I'm speaking for myself, um, the greatest mystery of the Bible is, of course, the mystery of godliness, that God, the eternal God that created, became flesh, born of woman, and made under the law, and came and lived a perfect life, and thusly removed the curse of Adam, 
by living a righteous life in the face of temptation, whereas Adam lived a sinful, rebellious life in the face of temptation. That's the greatest mystery of, that is why Paul calls it, great is the mystery of godliness. But to me, just speaking for myself, the second greatest mystery of the whole gospel story, the the, the Christology, when you study Christology, the, the, the messiahship of Jesus Christ, is that the people who knew the most law rejected Jesus. The people who had the most understanding could not see he was the son of God and they rejected. And I, I, I confess, I have spent um, probably more time in the last, I would say, uh, maybe uh, last five to seven years of my life, I've spent more time trying to understand how these good people Not all of them were murderers. Not all of them were betrayers. In fact, if you were to study anything about Pharisee culture, you would see they were the moderates. The radicals were on one side politically, the zealots, on the other side religiously, the Essenes. The Essenes basically chose an ascetic existence out in the Galilean wilderness, and they they protected uh, the law, and that's where we get the the Galilee, uh, uh, the scrolls, from the Sea of Galilee, um, but they were the extremes. The Pharisees are actually the middle of the road, and they believe in eternal life, and they honor the prophets in many ways, and when, when, when Caesar is going to have his image brought into Jerusalem, they beg by the thousands not to defile this holy city with an engraven image, and when a Pilate, directed by, uh, of course, Rome, tells them that if they don't clear the path into the holy city, that he's going to kill all of them. The Pharisees, not the Sadducees, not, 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 not the various other groups. The Pharisees are the ones who stood by the thousands at the gates to Jerusalem. This is just before the time of Christ. And opened their shirts and exposed their necks to the Roman Empire and said, kill us all, but do not bring an engraved image into Jerusalem. And you know who blinked? Rome. They're not all bad people. They're zealous. How do these zealous people, how do they miss the Messiah? Well, um, I I wish I had a a simple answer. Uh, I want to be careful not to try to formulize it. I want to be careful not to pretend, though, I'm the the, uh, authority on these mysteries. But I do know the Bible gives us gives us some insight into this. And uh, interestingly, Mark is one of the ones who gives us insight by tying all of this together, uh, this moment where Jesus is going to be crucified. Uh, his last intention of under, his last communication of understanding to the, uh, to about the Pharisees and their relationship to Jesus Christ is actually in Mark chapter number seven. I don't have time to get into this, but, but this is where the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, you don't keep the traditions. Um, you don't you don't ritually wash your hands before you eat. Um, you don't. You don't keep the traditions. And Jesus says, "Look, you guys are misunderstanding the difference in written law and oral law. Uh, what you have done is you have taken the written law and you weren't satisfied with that, and you added on top of that the oral law to make it." 
a lot more complicated. And um, that, that, that you, you guys did that. And then you come and to condemn others who did not keep that oral law. You've made a law upon top of the law. And they are so evidently that Pharisees are so zealous in this, this, these, the trees that they miss the forest. And they, they're zealous in many ways that a lot of them good. Some of them, they, they were just as, as sinful in their heart as anyone. Um, as, as that goes, the heart is desperately wicked, Jeremiah said. Um, and out of their fear and out of their mistrust, they, they actually conspire to kill Jesus Christ. They, they offer false testimony. Uh, they lie. They, they perjure themselves. They, they offer fraud to kill uh, Jesus. But that's primarily the leadership. Why are they missing? Why are they missing? Um, this is from uh, Zacharias where the prophet says to the Jews, O daughter of Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the full of a cult. The prophecies are there. The insight is there. There are multiple scriptures that are pointing to Jesus. And when I say multiple, I mean scores. Jesus himself stood up in the synagogue and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, but they cannot see with what the problem is. There is a difference of opinion on what the problem is. So really quickly, I don't have, let me take, maybe do this in five minutes. There's so much here. Uh, I will not do do it justice, but I encourage all of you to think about it and do do, do your own study. Um, there, there's there's importantly a, a disagreement about what the problem is. The Jews believe the problem is they are in bondage to Rome. They are in Roman bondage, and they want Jesus to cast off the yoke of Rome. They have scriptures that they quote where Jesus or the Messiah, this aforementioned Messiah, is going to do that. And they quote these scriptures and they celebrate these scriptures and they encourage one another from these scriptures. When Messiah comes, one elder says to another, he's going to level the the uneven path. And when Messiah comes, he's going to cast down the oppressor. And when Messiah comes and they decided they knew what the problem was, they looked at the Bible and they found what they needed. There is a danger in using the Bible as a toolbox where you go looking for whatever it is you need at this moment. There is a danger in that because the Bible is not a self-help book. It's not. It's not a toolbox where when you need blessing, you go say the, you go find blessing and say, see, the Bible says so. When you need deliverance, you go find. There's a bigger story, and that's God's story. And that's somehow how they lose their way. And uh, let me give you an example. The psalmist said in Psalm 142 and 7, set me free from my prison that I might pray or I may praise your name. Uh, and so this is one of the scriptures that the Jews point to saying Messiah is going to come and deliver us from bondage. And when Jesus comes, he agrees that they need to be delivered in, from bondage, but he doesn't believe the bondage is from the Roman Empire. He believes the bondage is from sin. Did I, okay, if that did not blow your mind, you do not understand what I'm trying to say because it's blown my mind. 
He doesn't believe the bondage is from the Roman Empire, and he doesn't want to deliver them from the bondage of the Roman Empire, and he doesn't. He wants to deliver them from the bondage of sin. Let me read you some scripture here. Jesus speaking, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. They're having a disagreement over what kind of slavery they are in. They think they're under the oppression and bondage of the Roman Empire. God's not concerned about the Roman Empire. God's concerned about the sin that's in their life. But they don't think they have sin. Why can I say that? Why can I say that? Well, the, the, and again, we're getting into time issues here, so just get, grant me a couple minutes. Uh, the, 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 the elders of the house of Israel taught this. They would, God would not get, have given us a law that we could not keep. God would not have given us a law that we could not keep. We can keep the law. That's why we're going to try so hard. That's why we're going to add a oral law on top of the written law. We're not going to leave anyone to figure out what Moses said when he said, keep the Sabbath. We're not going to let anyone decide that in their heart or in their life. We're not going to let anybody sway that out and seek out what is they should do as worship unto the Lord and as an offering unto the Lord. We're going to tell them what they have to do. And so they did. They add an oral law on top of a written law and because they are so far beyond the minimum requirement, they can't help but be pleased with themselves. And they teach one another. And I, I've, there's tons of material on this. Just and God would not have given us a law we cannot keep. And so when Jesus says, you need to be delivered from sin, that doesn't resonate with them. They don't think of themselves as needing deliverance from sin. They have the law. They have the temple. They have the sacrificial system for that. And so it is that you see in the scripture uh, things like uh, the two men on the road to Emmaus after Christ has been crucified. They say, uh, we, we, our hope was that he was the one that would deliver us from the oppressor. Deli our hope was that he was the one who would deliver us from the oppressing oppression of Rome, the oppression of this condition, this reality. This is what we were hoping, but he's a big disappointment. <laughs> he didn't deliver us from that. No, he just delivered you from sin. <laughs> I'm sorry, you have to be disappointed. He just delivered you from sin. <laughs> the disagreement is between what are we, the people of God, slaves to? We think we're slaves to the Roman Empire, and you think we're slaves to sin. And you came to destroy death, hell, and the grave. You came to destroy sin in the flesh. By one man, sin entered in world, into the world, and by one man, through Christ Jesus, we have the redemptive result of that work. You think that you don't need salvation from sin because you have the law. You learned the wrong lesson from the law. The law is to teach you you can't keep the law. There's no effort of the flesh. You need a redemptive covering, and if they could have seen 
they wouldn't have been blind to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, not just a rabbi, the Messiah of the world. And they might have been able to get past their prejudices and say, you know, I'm thankful for Moses. I'm thankful for everything I have. But that is not a covering for sin. I need a cleansing. And that only happens through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you didn't think that I was going to end up there by starting on blind Bartimaeus. But this is what I want you to see. When blind Bartimaeus says, thou son of David, in the story Mark is telling us, it is the first time in the gospel anybody ever calls Jesus the son of David. He's on his way to Jerusalem to be sacrificed. But there's one man who sees he's not just a teacher. He is the Messiah, the son of the living God. And one man says, would you open my eyes? And we have one last symbolic healing of a son of honor who was blind. But because he can see that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah, he receives his sight. I'm not, I'm going to celebrate Jesus until the day I pass on. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate him. I'm going to exalt him. Let's all stand. Would you raise your hands all across the house? Oh, Lord Jesus. We want so desperately to be your people. We want so desperately to understand the path you would have us to walk. Lord, we are lowly and often feel like a child and we don't know how to go out. We don't know how to come in. But Lord Jesus, we so desperately want to get it right. And we're hungry to have you in our presence. And so like blind Bartimaeus, we say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. It's a hundred things I don't know, Lord, but Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And let us receive our spiritual sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's take a moment. Step out of the chair that you're standing in right now. Let's just come and pray together before we're dismissed. Would you, would you just real quickly step down to the, to the front here? Um, I, I, I feel such a move in my spirit. It, it, it may be something more that I'm feeling than you're feeling. Uh, but I, I so much uh, love that prayer of uh, Bartimaeus where he so without reservation cries out to God, Jesus, thou son of David, Jesus, thou son of David, Jesus, thou son of David. If you don't know what to do with what's going on in your life, why don't you just in your spirit, let that be birthed. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. If you don't know how to fix something in your life, just let that be birthed within you. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. If you don't have an easy solution to a tough problem, just let your spirit birth that here. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Lord Jesus, as a church, we pray sincerely that you would open the eyes of our heart, God. We pray individually. We pray as families. We pray as fathers. We pray as mothers. 
We pray as, as sons and daughters. We pray as grandparents. We pray as great-grandparents. Oh, Lord Jesus. We want to get it right, God. Open the eyes of our heart. Open our understanding. If you can open Bartimaeus's heart, if you can open his eyes, if in spite of all the rejection, he can see who you really are, Lord, I believe you can let the same thing happen within each one of us. I need it, God. I'm hungry for it today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There is, there is so much more on this in the scripture. Three chapters in the book of Romans is dedicated to this exact subject. Uh, perhaps more than any other single continuous uh, idea that Paul explores in the book of Romans. Three chapters, chapter 9, chapters 10, chapters 11 are dedicated to this exact idea. How did the house of Israel miss this mystery? How could they be experts in the law and miss this? How could they know more than anybody and miss this? And it just, it drives it drives Paul to, to distraction trying to understand that. And he writes to them, is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if the law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would have certainly have come by the law. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. You thought you were a prisoner of Rome. You weren't. You were a prisoner of sin. So that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So that the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. Now that the faith has come, we no longer are under the supervision of the law. That's not from the three chapters in Romans. That's from Galatians. It is the single biggest mystery in the, in, in the, in the searching of the Apostle Paul how the house of Israel could miss it so much. You know what? I want to be blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road. I don't want to be someone telling anybody to shut up. You see what I'm saying? There's so much I don't know. But I'm hungry. God knows my heart. And I'm hungry, and you're hungry. And so you know what we do? We stand with my Lord of us, and we say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. Amen. Bless your people, I pray, oh God. Keep them safe this week. I pray for our young people. I pray you'd keep them safe. I pray for all those kids at Prosper University who don't have kid parents in the church. Uh, they go home and they're, they, they're, some of them have unorganized lives and they're the only one in their family coming to church, Lord. I pray for them. I pray for the, their parents I meet out front when they drop their kids off, Lord. I pray that somehow this week you would keep them and lead them and protect them, Lord Jesus. I pray for your people that your light would shine through them. I pray for this church that you would make us one. In Jesus' name we pray. And can the church say amen? amen? I love you. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come join us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road at the corner of Shamrock Drive. Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. 
and Bible Study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Online, find us at firstchurchclt.com or like us on Facebook or Twitter. We hope to see you soon. Come worship with us.